myself, I can still do that. I get a spurt of something, I, I, I'm like that little engine that could. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I can't. I'm doing that no more. I was young once. You know what? I feel good. I feel good. I really do. I, 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 think, I, I think I look okay too until, you know, and then I look in the mirror. And when I look in the mirror, I said, my God, what happened? My wife came in once I had a towel over my head, and she came in, and she looked at me, and she said, my Lord and my God, Arafat. <laughs> I was so disappointed, man, I, until I kept looking, and the more I looked, the more I looked like the old geezer. And then, and then, and then when you get older, you... You get aches and pains in places you never knew you had. I'll let you be seated in a minute. I know what I'm doing. You get aches and pains in places you never knew you had places. That's true. It's unbelievable. You know, I got this, I got this, this kind of nerve goes right down my leg like this. And, and if I stand too long, it, it gets like jelly. You know, it gets like paralyzed. And, and I feel like I'm standing up this and I start leaning. I think I'm going. But I can't sit down because if I sit down, they'll think I'm backslid. I'm not backslid. I just got a bum leg. I'm an old guy. Yeah. I don't know why we got seats in the Pentecostal church. Because we don't never sit in them. We're always just standing. Now, listen, let me tell you something. I ain't against standing. The Bible says stand, therefore stand. He says it two or three times. Hallelujah. But he's talking to the young guys. <laughs> he ain't talking to me. But, uh, hallelujah. You know what? Somebody said, oh, the old man sitting down. Yeah, yeah. That old codger. Well, I'll tell you what, I can praise the Lord better sitting down than some of you can do standing up. I hadn't lost my zeal for the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm more excited now about Jesus than I've ever been. Hallelujah, because I come from a mighty long way, and my God has been good to me. Hallelujah. His promises never fail. He has never failed me, not one time. Hallelujah. He promised never to leave me nor to forsake me. He said, I'm going to be with you even unto the end of the age. Somebody ought to shout like you believe it. I'm trusting in the Lord. Now, when you get old, stuff starts falling out, and Brother Johnson's not even old. He's getting old premature. So I remember when my hair started coming out, Pastor. And then other stuff started coming out, too. You know, my, like my teeth. My teeth are like stars. They come out at night. I put them in a jar, you know, put them up there beside. Next morning, they said, I'm still here. They're smiling up at me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Heard about the guy. He took off his peg leg, took out his glass eye, took out his teeth. There was more of him on the chair than there was in the bed. 
Once I was young, but now I'm old. You know, I could have preached on this scripture a long time ago, but I couldn't have preached it from experience. But now, brother, I can preach it from experience. So I'm preaching to you from experience today. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Hallelujah. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. No, his seed begging bread. You can go to the bank on Jesus. Everything's going to be all right. It don't matter what comes our way. He is our protector. He is our shield. The angels of the Lord encamp around about them that fear him. That's my God. Oh, come on. Somebody clap your hands like you believe it. All right. You may be seated. You know, I, there again, the preacher didn't tell me when to quit. It's almost quitting time. It's almost noon. You know that? But I don't know how many cracks I'm going to get at you, so <laughs> just be patient. Hallelujah. We'll get to the restaurant after the Baptist this time. I just want to tell you, I told the folks a little bit last night. I'm not going to reiterate all that stuff where I came from as a little kid. Came out of a lot of adversity and trouble and abuse and all that. And then married my sweet wife. We were the first missionaries ever appointed, as young as we were, by our mission. 1968, we were appointed. Landed in the field in 1969. Didn't know a soul. Got to that big city of Manila. Didn't have a contact, didn't have a convert, didn't have a church, met a lot of adversity the first two years we were there, amen, uh, we uh, had a lot of trouble, 45 calibers in the gut, people come to our, one guy came to my house with a knife, going to kill me, I don't have time to tell you all details, read the book, <laughs> hallelujah, but Unbelievable. Some of the first converts we got were from a landfill dump. People lived on the garbage dump. Yeah, they lived up there. Thousands of people live on that dump. Some of the first Bible studies that I've ever taught was sitting in that garbage dump. Seems like they got mosquitoes there the size of birds. And they're flying through that dump singing, thank God for the blood. Hallelujah. And one of those suckers drilled me. And I got H fever, which is a first cousin to malaria. I lay hovering between life and death for six weeks. Wow. That was a deal. You know, when we told the Lord that we'd go anywhere he wanted us to go, we, we didn't see that there mosquito. We didn't see ourselves with dysentery more than not. First two years I was in the Philippines, I spent more time on the throne of mercy than at the throne of mercy. You figure it out. <laughs> I mean, that means we was sick, pal, sick. You're not supposed to laugh, you're supposed to praise Jesus. You'll be praising Jesus in a little while. You're laughing at my calamity. I could tell you some stories, but I'm, I'm going to spare you. But I just wanted you to know what, what all happened. 
You know, after two years, Brother Tenney came, and he was the missions director at the time, and we did, rented a little, little former nightclub on the seedy side of town. That was where our first church was, and we had about 35 people from the garbage dump. Wow, kind of a humble setting for Brother Tenney to give a prophetic word. But he gave a prophetic word. I let little, little podium in that little humble place, no windows, very little ventilation, and 35 people from the dump. It smelled bad. But Brother Tenney's prophetic word was, I see shooting flames of fire going out from this pulpit. And I'm going, He said, I see these flames of fire spreading throughout the city of Manila. I see these flames of fire spreading throughout every inhabited island in the Philippines. I see these flames of fire spreading around the world. I see God using the Filipino people to bring massive revival to our world. Little did we realize that how many years later, like right now, the only nationality that can say they have citizens in every nation of the world is Filipinos. And wherever you find Filipinos, you find revival. I don't know exactly why that is, but these are the most God-conscious people that you could ever come across. They're easy to reach. You know, old Billy Cole come. He'd been all over the world, and he believes there's all these, and I believe him, that there's certain spirits and demonic forces that take over certain areas and cities. He came into the Philippines a little over two years after we were there, and he looked at me and he said, Brother Mallory, the devils are weak in this nation. They are easy to subdue. Boy, was he ever more right. When Brother Tenney said he saw sheep shooting flames of fire going off from the pulpit, he left, and my face started soaring. And old Sanwin Gordy went out and contracted a 10,000-seat auditorium. It was a boxing arena. There was room for 9,000 people in the bleachers, and about 1,000 people. If you put out chairs on the floor, we put out chairs because we're going to have a sellout crowd. The few little people we had, we made out hats and T-shirts and handed out all kinds of stuff, and I had visions of that place being full. But you know what? When the, We had a series of services, like three or four in a row, and first night we got there, and there wasn't one person in the bleachers. No, not one. No, not even one. They were all on the floor area. There was like a thousand people in the floor area on those chairs. You know, I was so dumb back then. I'm dumb now, but I was really dumb then. I couldn't figure out there's a big difference between a thousand people in that auditorium and 35 people back in, the, back in that former nightclub. Can you imagine? A thousand people. But all I could see was the empty bleachers. Man, I was singing sad songs to myself. Empty bleachers. Empty bleachers. 
Anybody knows that God can't do a work in a place of empty bleachers. That's something. But out of that crowd of a thousand people, here comes a here comes a woman with a growth on her neck. Looked like four times bigger than any goiter you ever saw. She came up through a line we had prepared, and I was standing down helping people through. I watched that woman as she came toward me. I watched that growth melt and disappear. Gone in just a few seconds. And the Lord wanted to remind me that I can do a work in an empty building. <laughs> you don't have to have one person sitting in the bleachers. All I got to have is a few on the floor there. I'm a miracle worker. Hallelujah. I can do it when I want to do it. I didn't do it because of your little bitty no good faith, boy. That woman had faith. We said she could be healed and she was healed. Then about four people behind her comes a man with a white cane. Tap, 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 tap. He gets to where the preachers are here. Well, hands are laid on him. He goes down almost like he went up. A little bit later, we've taken all the chairs out to make a place for people to congregate. There I saw him. His cane was on the floor beside him. He was looking up like this. He blinking. He's blinking, blinking, blinking. And then he'd, 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 he'd stop. He'd clap his hands and he'd kind of chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> I went and I put my arm on, on my hand on his shoulder like this I said sir what's happening to you his eyes never left the ceiling he just kept doing what he was doing he said well you see I'm a Roman Catholic he said my friend brought me he said I'm blind he said I don't know difference from dark and light but he said when I I was led through that line and that priest laid his hands on me. He said, I saw a flash of light. And all the while, I've been looking at the light. I've never been able to see before. And he said, the light is increasing. <laughs> wow, I like, I was like, wow. Cold chills went up and down my backbone. Hallelujah. And I'm standing there like this. He kept going. And then all of a sudden, he started, his, his head started. Now I'm seeing shadows. He said, I see things moving around. I said, my mind shot back to the book of John where Jesus opened the eyes of the blind man. He first saw men as trees walking. I said, Lord, what you did when you walked on this earth, you're doing it tonight in front of my eyes. Hallelujah. He's, he's the God that can open blind eyes. He's the God that can cause growths to disappear in a moment of time. Hallelujah. He's that God. He shows up when you least expect it because that's my God. Then a little while behind the line, man, here comes a little stooped over 86-year-old lady. Her name was Mrs. Abira. She had two late younger ladies on either side of her doting on grandma. Here she, she had all kinds of jewelry, my Lord. You know, I felt like when I first went there, I said, God, we've got to save the rich people. Because you can't have revival without resources. And so the Lord says, 
wait a minute. I'm going to send you to the dump. These are people that I died for. They got a soul that's more precious. Just one of them. In the whole wide world. Hallelujah. Just one of them. Come through the line and say, wow, finally a rich person. She come to the front. She looked like she had lots of ailments. And uh, we expected to hear what we're supposed to pray for. And she said, oh, no, 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 sirs. I did not come for healing of my physical body. I'm very old. She said, I've come to receive that Holy Ghost I've been hearing you talk about. I've come to receive that Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, I was there when it happened, pal. Hands were laid on little Mrs. Abira, and instantly she started speaking in other tongues. She received the wonderful baptism of the Holy Ghost. A few days later, she invited us to her house. It was not a house at the landfill. Nice little house by Philippine standards. We were ushered in. She had attendance there. Amen. She had cookies and tea. Amen. And she, little Mrs. Abira was padding around the house like this. And the Holy Ghost was still on her after three days. She was going, ooh, this Holy Ghost. Ooh, this Holy Ghost. Ooh, this Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And we were all smiling and clapping with Grandma. But she just kept doing it. So finally, we just all joined in. This Holy Ghost. This Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you there's something about this Holy Ghost. It'll put a dancing in your feet. It'll put a clapping in your hands. It'll put a praise on your lips. There's something about this Holy Ghost. Does anybody in this house have the Holy Ghost? Somebody needs to praise him. Somebody needs to magnify him. I got the Holy Ghost. Then after a while, and by the way, I'm out of my script. Happens all the time. She says, please take your seat. She sat on one side of a coffee table. We sat on the other. She leaned forward. I understand you've been looking for property for your church in Manila. <laughs> yes! No, we didn't say it like that, but that's how we felt. <laughs> yes! Property very high. No money. <laughs> Hallelujah. She said, well, my husband is gone. And she said, I'm going to see Jesus soon. He gave me the most precious gift. And she said, I have a property in Makati. It's the most beautiful area of Metro Manila. And she said, if you'll just take care of the drawing up of the papers, she said, I'll sign that property over to you. Would you like to have that property? No way, man. We got the property. We built the headquarters church. You've been there, I think. You haven't been there? My Lord. We had to change that. Hallelujah. You can go there. You go there with Jeff. I'm too old. <laughs> Hallelujah. You go with Jeff. My son. 
Anyway, we built the headquarters church. We built a four-story building beside it that houses our headquarters offices there, and now they're building another big headquarters office. And that little church that we started in Manila with just me and Mama, Jeff was two years old. Jerry was a year. Hallelujah. That church has now grown to over 300 churches in the city of Manila. Now we can't find a place big enough to house all the people when we all get together for a crusade. One crusade we had in 2007, the park officials said that we had downtown Manila in the Lineta Park. We had 250,000 people present. Praise God. So I just wanted to let you know, we've seen a lot of things. I left out a lot of stuff, but I just hit the high points so that you know. Now we have 4,000 churches throughout the islands. And now, the only, as far as the United Pentecostal Church is concerned, we have the largest mission of any, any nation in the world, including the United States. We have 1.2 million constituents in our church in the Philippines. And God uses this little couple, hallelujah, me, the nervous breakdown kid, 14 years old, nervous breakdown, beaten to a bloody pulp by a father that never said he loved him, said he'd never amount to anything. It's not me. God, God's in the business of picking up people and the most unlikely people. And if we trust him and we delight in him and we commit our way to him, he said, I'm going to use you, man. I'm going to use you as a vessel in my hands because you're not building it. I'm building it. I'm just going to use you. Does anybody here want to be used of God? So now here I am. I'm an old guy. Well, I'm not real old. I'm closer to 80 than I am to 70. I'll be 78 in August. So now I'm going around saying, you know what? I'm looking for a young man. I'm looking for young ladies that we can pass the mantle to. Because I've been concerned about the younger generation coming up. Who's going to take it? Who's going to be willing to, to go where others would refuse to go? Who's willing to be totally and 100% dedicated to the work of God? Hallelujah. My son Jeff, amen, I'll never forget. I was telling pastor last night, Brother George Guy come and he he looking at me, had me by the hand, and then the other hand on Jeff's chest. The mantle of your father is on you. Greater things are you going to see than your father has ever seen. Greater miracles. He said about five different things that he was going to see that I never saw. You know, what does it make a, an old dad feel like? I understand that I'm old. I'm not going to live forever. I understand all that. Hallelujah. The Lord says when he comes back, is he going to find faith on the earth? Is he going to find, is he going to find a Joshua? Is he going to find somebody that's willing to, hallelujah, be in the battle? Hallelujah. And give himself totally and unreservedly to God. Hallelujah. Are you going to, and the Lord's let me know all across this country. Hallelujah. God's calling young men and young women like never before. I believe there's a mighty army rising up.
I believe some of them are right here in this church. I believe that. I believe there's young men and young women that's willing to say, take this whole world, but just give me Jesus. I realize that I have come to the kingdom for such a time as this, and I'm not going to fail my God. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody. Somebody's got to answer the call. I never intended to say all of that. I'm trying hard to get through the introduction. Those chickens in Memphis will just have to wait. I told you all the wonderful things that happened in our lives and the revival and the miracles and all of that. We came home, I was 59 years old, and a little church in Maui full of Filipinos wasn't full. It was only about 35 of them. They'd lost their pastor under difficult circumstances, and you need to go and help them find a new pastor. I said, okay, we'll come off the field, and we'll go there. We'll give them six weeks. We went there. My wife and I landed with three suitcases, and uh, we stayed for six years. Six years in Maui. Wow. So we were in Maui for six years, and, but the first year I was there, I was preaching on Easter Sunday. Resurrection. If you can't preach on Easter Sunday, you need to quit the ministry. <laughs> you got material, Bubba. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> he arose. He's alive. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost. <laughs> Miracles. Hallelujah. Resurrection Day. Up from the grave, heroes. That's awesome. We had a great service. People got all kinds of stuff going on. Then 4 o'clock the next morning, we were staying up in a little bitty, small little apartment up over the church. And uh, I got a pain in my abdomen. I never felt a pain like that. I got up and paced the floor. Three hours later, I could hardly walk. There, life was going out of my body. My wife got me down, got me into the car, Took me to the clinic. They did a, they drew blood. They did a stat. Now the doctor's sitting there looking at the computer. I'm sitting, I'm laying there in this, this clinic room. I never felt so sick. I've been sick, but I never felt that sick. Finally, he sits, looked at the results. Something catastrophic's going on here. I heard that word catastrophic. My Lord. And come to find out there's a seven-inch abscess attached to my pancreas. My whole body cavity is full of E. coli and another infection that's working in tandem with it. We're on our way home. The phone rings. My wife said, yes, yes, sir. I'll get him to the, I'll get him to the airport. Yes, sir. They couldn't treat me in Maui. They had to take me to Honolulu. I'm preaching on the resurrection. Hallelujah. We had revival, the greatest revival on planet Earth in the Philippines. I've seen blind eyes open. I, I've been through all kinds of stuff. I trust my God. Now she's wheeling me into this hospital in Honolulu, 10.30 at night. It's eerie. Nobody's in the halls. I blurted out to nobody in particular, I come to cheer this place up. I think I come to cheer my own self up. She wheels me into a semi-private room. There's a curtain around the one bed, and then they're going to put me in the other one. 
I don't know what this poor soul's problem was that's in that other bed, but he was making some strange, awful noises. And like, ah, ah, I said, oh, my God, I'm dying, and he is too. Get me out of here. I said to the nurse, I said, nurse, nurse, I, I got to have a private room. I can't. She says, I'm sorry, sir. This is where you're assigned and this is where you got to be. And then she says, besides that, your wife can't stay here. We don't allow uh, patients, families, or anybody to stay with them overnight. I said, well, where's she going to go? We live in Maui. This is Oahu. I said, is she going to stay under a bridge? I mean, what's what going to happen? You know, I just read, trust in the Lord. Delight thyself in the Lord. Commit thy way. And that doesn't mean just when things are going good. Hallelujah. The word doesn't change when you're going through the valley. So finally I think, oh man, I, can I talk to your supervisor? Guess what? It's a God thing. Supervisor comes in and she's a Filipina. <laughs> oh, my God, can be mom. Good evening, mom. When I said that in Tagalog in her language, her eyes got big. She I said, oh, como esta cama? Sanka Galing, sa Filipinas. Where do you come from in the Philippines? How are you tonight? And her eyes get bigger. And I say a few other things, and get bigger and bigger. And she how do you know my language? I said, Filipino ako. I'm a Filipino. She said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and then I began to tell her we were missionaries. Raised our family there. Our youngest son was born there. All of this kind of stuff. Told her a few things. And I noticed a tear come out of her eye. She said, sir, I want to thank you for your sacrifice. I said, oh, mom, no sacrifice. The greatest years of our lives were spent in your beautiful country with your awesome people. They're the most God-conscious people I know. And she kept saying, oh, but I want to thank you. I want to thank you. And we had carried on this conversation very warm. And then she said, what, what can I do for you? What do you need? I said, well, I, I need a private room. And I, I need my wife to be able to stay with me. That means for a while, just a moment. And she laughed. And a little while later, she come back. She got up close to my ear. She said, I found you a private room. I said, yes. I'm dying, but I got a private room to do it in. And she said, if nobody says anything, I'm going to pull another bed in there, and your wife can stay with you. Oh, then began the long saga. I was out of our pulpit for four months. Wow. Dr. Takamori came in that next morning. You want me to shoot straight with you? He said, sir, basically you're terminally ill. People that have what you have usually never leave a hospital. We can try. They put me on the strongest antibiotics you can put in the human body for three solid months. They put tubes in my body to try to drain the infection. Nothing worked. He said, if none of that works, we're going to have to do a surgery where they cut you from here to here, all the way across your belly. And the surgeons put their hands inside your abdomen and scoop out the infection with their hands. I said, I hope it doesn't come to that. He said, I hope so too. But eventually, that's what it did come to because nothing worked. I was a sick man. I lost 60 pounds in just a few weeks. I couldn't walk. I was weak. Brother Johnson, the first Sunday I was there, I was laying on my bed and I, I was crying. I wasn't crying because I was 
afraid. I was crying because I had a chance to look back over my life and see how good God had been to me. I come from a mighty long way, holding the hand of my Savior all the way through. Lord, you've been good to me. And while I was laying there reminiscing, I heard music right outside my door. And then I heard singing. Sounded like angels, man. There for a minute, I thought I was hallucinating. They come to get me, man. I looked over at my wife. I said, honey, do you hear what I'm hearing? And she said, yes. And right outside my door, they were singing. Majesty. Worship His majesty Unto Jesus Be all glory, honor, and praise Oh, oh majesty Oh, hallelujah authority oh Jesus who died but he's now glorified and he's the king of all kings I called the nurse 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 What's going on outside my door? She called them a little Christian group. She said they've been coming here for 25 years. They sing in the hallways to encourage the patients. She said, we don't let them in the patient's rooms unless the patient invites them in. I said, they come in, elder. They got tambourines. They got ukuleles and guitars and mandolins. and They're all smiling. They gather around my bed. I tell them where I'm from and all that stuff. Pretty soon they're calling me pastor. Pastor, what else do you want us to sing today? Do you know that Hawaii is the most remote landmass on earth? I'm used to people, brother. I'm a people lover. And here I am out in that, those little islands, the most remote landmass. There's nobody around me. It's just down to me and mama and Jesus. Hallelujah. Doctor comes in again after a while he says we tried everything we're going to have to do that surgery sign papers we don't know if you're going to pull through 8.30 Monday morning we're going to, we're going to do the surgery my, here's my little group come Sunday and they come in and they're all smiling again pastor what do you want us to sing today I said well my surgery's tomorrow Doctor, don't know if I'm going to pull through. I don't know if I'm going to see you guys again or not. I said, why don't we just sing that song? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Oh, I feel Jesus because he lives. Oh, hallelujah. Oh. 
yes, I know he holds the future. And life, come on now, is worth the living just because I know he lives. I know he lives. Somebody ought to shout. Somebody ought to praise him. Somebody ought to magnify him. Somebody ought to say, Jesus, hallelujah, you're my healer. You're my deliverer. You're the one that sets men free. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Oh, hallelujah. Can you stand just a little more? You didn't say you could stand a little more, but could you stand just a little more? I don't want to leave you hanging, pal. Be seated for just a minute. Time goes by. My whole family, my grandkids, my kids, their spouses, they're going to come to Maui to see me. But I'm in Oahu, and I can't walk. After that surgery, the doctors came in and said, we're sorry. You still have infection. You cannot leave this hospital. Infection's going to kill you. I said, well, if I'm going to die, i got to go see my kids, my grandkids. He said, you can't walk. I said, my wife can put me in a wheelchair. She'll put me in the plane. It's only a 20-minute flight. We'll be in Maui. He let me go on Friday. He said, you'll be back here on Monday. I had a smile on my face when my wife wheeled me into the plane because I said to myself, I ain't never going back. They tried everything to do it. I'm terminally ill. It's time to really now, it's time to trust God. I'm not opposed to doctors and medicine. They do their best. And I've had some since. Hallelujah. But now it's time to trust Jesus fully. So I go home. Brother Johnson, first time I was in my church for four months, they carry me in. They carry me out. They carry me in. They carry me out. I have a little easy chair they transfer me into. One day after I'd been carried in and carried out, how many times I felt something come on me. I said, i got to get in that pulpit. They picked me up, put me in the pulpit. They made the mistake of stepping back and leaving me there, propped up by the pulpit. I spoke for about a minute, and then I collapsed in a heap in front of them they came up and picked up the heap they put me in my chair and that old enemy came I was 59 years old devil said it's over pal you ain't never gonna preach again and I said well I don't care I mean if God's through with me but I don't have to listen to you you big fat slew foot I You've been wrong a lot of times before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I can't tell you the whole story, but I'm here to tell you. As that church prayed for me and people all over the country were praying for me, hallelujah, I could feel it. It wasn't instant, but I could feel strength coming back into my body. I'd go to the clinic. I'd get blood drawn. And when my white blood cell count was always sky high, one morning I went in there. And the nurse came out. I thought she had a heart attack. She's waving the thing. She said, it's, it's normal. It's normal. It's normal. Now here I am on the outskirts of Memphis, Tennessee. And I'm in this fountain of truth church. Hallelujah. And I'm still going. God has been good to me. Now, here's what we're going to do, and I'm going to, I'm going to preach the last hour while you're up here, okay? Don't get nervous. I want to invite everybody to come up here around this altar. I'm going to speak to you, and then we're going to give a word of faith, and God's going to do some stuff. You just come on. Come on. Don't, you know, first one, then all the others will follow. Be a leader, not a follower. Hallelujah. And everybody just get up here as close as you can get. Oh. You know, this hasn't gone this morning according to my plan, but it's gone according to his plan. That's all, that's all we need. I will leave this place with no regrets because I learned to never second guess my God. There's people here that need a touch from the Lord today. He's going to do it. Almost seven years ago now, I was preaching for Wayne Huntley <clears throat> Raleigh, North Carolina I was passing pure blood he insisted and I'd been passing blood for a while and just ignored him he said you're going to get checked went and got checked they found a large tumor that was cancerous they removed the tumor and over the next how many months I mean, every time they go in to check, there was more tumors. I've been in and out for the last six and a half years. Mayo Clinic there in Phoenix. <clears throat> I've had treatments, 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 treatments. And in between, I just try to keep going, try to keep going. But in between, I was so weak, I couldn't go. I'd have to sit in my recliner for weeks on end. And then I'd get a little spurt of energy. I'd come to a place like here and I'd preach best I could and I'd go back more treatments more treatments more treatments last May when I went in they checked me high grade cancer cells your bladder's going to have to be removed can't do this no more I said well I don't want to lose my bladder. He said, well, it's either losing your bladder or you losing your life. You can live without your bladder. I put the bag on you. Wear that for the rest of your life. Well, I didn't do that. I We moved from Phoenix to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where we go to Woodlawn Church. I got up here, what was it, Sister Mallory, about three months ago now, four I preached a message called Stepping Into Your Miracle. I took a step.
whole lot of other people took a step. It's all they could talk about for weeks. We're stepping into our miracle. We're stepping into our miracle. I went to Houston. I went to Methodist Hospital. I got a doctor, the number one doctor. He's the guy that developed robotic surgery for bladder cancer. Dr. Raj checked me over and said, your bladder's coming out. I said, wow. Well, I'd already had two opinions, one from Mayo and one from Methodist, which is the number one hospital in all of Texas. I don't think so. I don't want to be going back and forth to Houston. It's like eight hours. I don't want to do that. So I think I'll go to Jackson, Mississippi. It's only an hour and a half. I found a urologist there, the one that Brother Tipton had. I went there to him. He looked at my records. He says, hmm. He said, you're a bad case. But let's take another look. I just preached. I'm stepping into my miracle. He got up into my bladder with that. Him looking around. He kept looking and looking and looking. My wife's out in the waiting room. He's looking. When the test was complete, he shook my hand. And he said, Reverend Mallory, he said, your bladder is as clean as a whistle. He said, you don't have any cancer. It's gone. Hallelujah. Oh, God has been good to me, man. No, I think he just wanted me. He knew that fountain of truth was in my future. Not because I'm any big deal. But somehow he just, this was in his plan all along. There's none of us here by accident. We're all here by divine appointment. The Lord knew this moment was going to come back. So let's not be flippant about it. Let's realize that there's something unusual about to happen. Hallelujah. At this moment. Hallelujah. Most momentous times. You know, it's one thing for daddy to be sick. But it's quite another to get a call from your 42-year-old son. Say, Dad, you know the lump that was growing on my neck? It's bad, Dad. They've given me four years to live. I have mantle cell lymphoma for which there is no cure. I've decided to go to Bethesda and be a guinea pig. They offer me no hope. I'm going to be just as somebody they, they study, hoping that they can find a cure for somebody else. And then he said, he got a revelation early on. He said, he said, the Lord spoke to me and says, Jeff, you're just walking through the valley, picking up stones so that you can defeat this Goliath that's come to your life. Hallelujah. <laughs> so he went through a period of two years. He was gone from his church more than he was there. Hallelujah. They started giving him some kind of chemo amen that just destroyed the organs of his body they said don't let any of this get anywhere on your flesh because it'll 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 burn your flesh up he said my lord it sounds like pretty bad stuff and yet you're putting it in my veins and somebody slapped him on the back and said don't worry about it jeff the flesh can't handle it but the blood can 
flesh can't handle it, but the blood can. Oh, I'm here to tell you, your flesh can't handle nothing, but I'm here to tell you, you're covered by the blood. You're covered by the blood. Hallelujah. So I just come around today to encourage somebody. I've come to encourage young people to put your trust and your faith in God because you're going to see things that no other generation has ever seen. The things that are coming to pass on this earth, it's going to wax worse and worse. And don't worry about it as long as you're in the hollow of His hand. You're safe there. He's going to take you through some stuff. But hallelujah, as long as He's there. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere because it's heaven to me <laughs> hallelujah where'er he may be hallelujah that's my jesus i think this is a morning of commitment for young men and young women to commit yourself totally to the lord say brother mallory don't worry about it you might be an old codger <laughs> i don't know how much longer the lord's going to give you but don't worry about it you got a young man here or a young lady that's going to pick up that mantle hallelujah i'm going to preach the word hallelujah i'm going to live it i'm going to do it i'm going to be dedicated do we have a young man a young woman like that here and then there's others here hallelujah you need a special touch from god not just physically but emotionally and mentally and every other way whatever your need is i want you to raise your right hand to the lord right now and we're going to speak a word of faith over you hallelujah and god's about ready to perform a miracle in your life it was said through a prophetic word before we ever got up here now when the blessing comes down the miracle will take place that's what the word was and it coincides with the word of god hallelujah raise that right hand to the lord whatever your need is Hallelujah, I'm standing upon the authority of the Word of God. And through the power that there is in the name of Jesus, I speak healing. I speak deliverance to everyone that's in this place. In the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, touch them from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet. Miracle moment right now. Now go ahead and go ahead and praise Him. Go ahead and magnify Him. Go ahead and thank Him for the miracle. He's already done what he said he would do. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you all praised out? Or did you feel something happen in your, in your body and in your spirit? <laughs> we need to thank him again. We need to thank him again. We need to praise Him again. We need to praise Him for what He's done. We need to praise Him. Hallelujah. I want to pray for your pastor and his wife and his children. Praise God, is that all right? Would you all just come up here on the platform? You get your family. Do you love your pastor?
You have the greatest pastor that anybody could ever possibly want to have. And I give honor to the leadership of this church and I give honor to the elder and his wife. Hallelujah. You're such a fortunate people. And I believe you know it. I believe you know how fortunate you are. But don't ever take these leaders for granted. Pray for your pastor every day. Hallelujah. Pray for strength and greater renewed anointing. I just feel like, Brother Johnson, you've had a great ministry already. I just believe that you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I believe that something new and fresh is going to come upon you from on high this day. The Lord's going to grant you the desires of your heart. And He's going to take you places that you've only dreamed of going. But it's not just a dream. It's a dream that's going to come true. (laughs) It's a dream that's going to come to pass. I come against doubters in the name of Jesus. I come against a spirit of doubt in the name of Jesus. Doubt's got to go. It's got to be replaced by a lively, buoyant faith. There's a revival coming to this place. Hallelujah. Greater than anything that you could possibly imagine. Hallelujah. Pray with me right now in the name of Jesus. I lay hands on this man. The anointing of the Holy Ghost in greater measure than it's ever been before. Hallelujah. Ah, the dream is not going to die. The dream's going to live. Hey, Brandon. Hallelujah. God, in the name of Jesus, touch these young men, Lord, in the name of our God. Touch this young man, Lord. You're going to use him for your glory. There's something powerful in this young man's future. Oh, my God. I'm never going to be the same after today. Never the same. Hallelujah. You believe that, buddy? Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, this handmaiden of the Lord. Bless her, anoint her. My God. Hallelujah. Hey, buddy. Hallelujah. 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 Bless these children, Lord. In the name of Jesus. I need some saints to praise him. I need some saints to praise him. I need some saints to praise him. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Boys will be boys. You know the hand of the Lord's on these boys. Even though this one boy says pray for him again, he needs it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Is God good or good? Thank you for letting us come to be with you. You're wonderful people. Amen. Love and appreciate you. We're going to be praying for you now because now we know you. We see your faces. God's got great things in store for this church. Don't ever forget it. There's a promise coming down your dusty road. Pastor, thank you for letting us come. We appreciate it so much. Amen. Pastor Johnson, I love you. Come see us or you're in trouble. All right.
Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know that I've ever been more tempted to steal a Bible in my life. All these notes in here. It was so funny because he looked down at Kaysen and said, I can tell you're a good young man. He said, yes, sir. And Kaysen pointed at Braden. He said, but he hadn't been nice to me. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Did, did you enjoy that? Wasn't that fantastic? Would you please come back? We want him to come back, don't we? Amen. I enjoyed that so much. Amen. Make sure and go by uh, their table. That right there, I can't wait to read that. And then this one right here, just, well, might break your glasses, but just Jesus. Man, it's, it's good stuff. Go by and, and check that out. Lord, go with our people. God, keep them safe this week. God, encourage them, uplift them. God, I want to thank you for blessing this church with these people. They're such wonderful people. God, bless those that are going to be traveling this week. Bless their families. Keep them, encourage them. In Jesus' name.